Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Grateful to be back with you. I was away for a couple weeks, and now I'm back. I'm back in studio with a special guest, Pastor Josh Sorensen. Welcome to the program, Josh. Thanks, Ed. Great to be with you again. Josh is uh, hosting alongside of me, soon to be hosting on Fridays uh, over in the near future. So you look forward to having direct access to Josh as he oversees the program on Fridays and um, takes some more days along the way. But wherever you're listening to us, uh, we're taking your calls and your questions today, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 is the number, and if you're listening on Grace FM or Radio by Grace, you're listening to a live broadcast. Uh, if you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you're listening to a broadcast that was delivered live, but is one week delayed on your station and all that really means is that you can call while the program is on, talk to a live host, uh, just as if you were on the air, because you will be in, in uh, 82 different stations, um, but then you can tune into your station next week, same time, hear yourself on the radio, which uh, I don't know how you feel about that. You should try it. Um, and I'm not a big fan of listening to myself on the radio or on my voicemail. Uh, it's just a bizarre, it's an interesting thing. Uh, to hear yourself, even though when you're talking, you always hear yourself. Uh, but it is neat to be able to be on radio and say, ah, oh, um, I can hear or even tell people I was on this, uh, I'm going to be on the radio next week if you want to hear this question. And um, so you can do that. Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. Taking your calls and your questions, 303 or we have a live text line, 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. That's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line. You can use it for prayer requests. And then during the program, every day at this time, you can text in your questions. And as we need to fill in time, uh, we will use that text line to fill in um, and just talk about things that got um, things that uh, came through um, the text line. I'm sorry, I'm reading something at the same time uh, and I got distracted. So give me a call 303 690 Okay, so let's start the program with a text question that came in yesterday. Uh, I saw it come in. I, Pastor Jeff uh, was hosting the program, but I saw it come in because it caught my eye while I was working. Uh, I have the text line open still on my email, and I thought it was a great question. 
uh, and it was something along these lines. My coworker visited my church, and he said he didn't like the worship because the lights were turned off, and sin dwells in darkness was his reason. Seemed kind of petty to me, but I've never had that conversation. I personally like it when lights are out, but I've never heard that reason. Do you have any thoughts? Well, we happen to be a church that turns off our lights, uh, at least the main lights uh, in the ceiling. We turn them off uh, for worship. Although the stage lights are on, we have sconces uh, on the walls, and we also have these I don't know what to call them, patio lights or something. I don't know if you call them those little lights. Yeah, we have those lights. hanging uh, from. We put them up for some event, uh, and I like them. And I said, let's not take them down. So we have those on. So it's not like completely dark where you can't see where you're walking. But we turn down our lights. And the reason why I saved the question is because the coworker visited uh, a church. The church they visited was our church, um, and and so. The reasons he didn't like it is that it was dark, or the lights were turned off, and sin dwells in darkness. Well, let's talk about the whether that even it, it because the text says that it seemed petty. It probably was delivered in a way like if it was received that way from your friend, then it probably was delivered that way, right? Do you think that that would be accurate? I would think so. I would hope so, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but let's say it's a legitimate question. Why would we turn out the lights? So we talked about this in our staff meeting today um, because I think it's a valid question that if anybody asked, uh, that we could give an answer. Uh, First of all, uh, darkness in and of itself, like darkness, absence of light, does not necessitate, like it doesn't equal evil. Uh, Darkness doesn't equal evil. I think that's a number one uh, biblical um, statement. And a lot of things happen uh, in the darkness that have a lot to do with um, uh, spiritual life. For example, uh, Jesus... Uh, walked around at night. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Um, what were some of the? Do you? I, I left my sheet on my. T- I obviously I was going to answer this, and I left the sheet in my office. What were some other ones that were given at the staff meeting about darkness? Do you remember? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the guys had a really good one. I can't remember. Obviously, we we sleep at we we when we sleep we turn off the lights at night. We don't sleep in with the lights on. Right. That was one one idea. Well, but biblically, there were some examples uh, biblically that came through that obviously good things happen in the darkness. Like yeah. the fact that biblically darkness doesn't equal, like physical darkness does not equal all oh, the angels. The angels came to the shepherds by night, mm-hmm. uh, and so there were no no artificial light sources. I mean, the, they had the stars and the moon, of course, but the angels came at night. Um, so let's just like I'm like systematically kind of walking through. So dark. So the premise that evil dwells in darkness isn't a hundred percent, one hundred percent in every situation true. Number one. 
Number two, uh, there's the practical side. Uh, Jesus slept in the dark. We don't sleep in the dark. There are times when the light, uh, when it's dark and we're worshiping. Like, like it, if you take that in the context of a, of a, uh, if you take that into the context of uh, of the worship service, the lights were off, but the room was filled with the people of God singing praises to God, honoring God. Like it, it doesn't like light and darkness can't coexist spiritually, but they also can't coexist physically. Um, so, when you think of a phrase like darkness, evil dwells in darkness. It is speaking spiritually, not the absence of physical light. Um, speaking spiritually. I think some other examples were uh, we have our our sister in the Lord, Bianca, who's blind. She lives in perpetual darkness just in her uh, physical um, difficulties with her eyes. Um, But she's one of the greatest worshipers that we've ever met, like God really ministers to her. Um, And so uh, I think that the reason, so so the reasoning behind uh, turning the lights out is to create an atmosphere, uh, to minimize distractions. Uh, that was a big reason we talked about it in our staff meeting today with the team. Like, why would we? And one of the, one of the main reasons uh, is to minimize distractions, uh, to make sure that the focus isn't the person in front of you or the person on the Like our sanctuary holds, what did we say this morning? 1264? 1264. So when there's a full room in there, there's a lot of people in there. There could be a lot of opportunity for distraction, a lot of, so, so taking things down, creating an atmosphere, um, uh, it, it's creating a, an environment for, um, it, um, for an emotional connection with God, an experience with God, like so many different things. But I think the bottom line is you can worship with the lights on or you can worship with the lights off. So are, do you have any additional thoughts? You're in the same meeting with me, but do you, what, what are your thoughts from your perspective? Yeah, I agree. I think it sounds like if this if this guy was sincere in what he was asking, that he, as you mentioned, uh, that he was confusing physical darkness with spiritual darkness. So you read verses that talk about darkness, and First John speaks a lot about walking in the light, not in darkness. And so it sounds as if perhaps he was confusing the darkness in the room, which it's not even really that dark. It's right. not dark, dark. I and mean, I can see the person next to me, so it's not that dark. But it, it, perhaps confusing that idea of spiritual darkness with physical darkness. Yeah, and I think, too, if once we don't go down that road, let's just say, let's just give the premise. And again, one of the reasons why we're answering it this way to help you guys sort out these types of questions. So we don't just dismiss them. We don't just go, I create like there, we can talk through these things with some reason um, and biblical understanding. If we agree with the premise that you can't worship in the dark because uh, evil dwells there, then what exactly is the definition of dark in that, like how much light is necessary for us to say, okay, it's not dark anymore. Is it, 10%, 5%, like who know? how would you even measure? I mean, only professional people probably know how to measure that, but like it isn't completely dark. We got lights hanging in there. We got sconces and our, in, you know, in our worship experience uh, in that, that environment, the, the stage is definitely not dark. Um, and, and so again, what if we're, we're given the benefit of the doubt, but let's just go say, let's say it was kind of a petty thing. Um, I would just say, stop it. Stop, stop making non-essentials essential um, and, and enter in to the worship of the Lord. Uh, enter into a church that uh, if you're visiting a church and maybe that's the only time you're going to visit, 
be a part of it. If it's not sin, I mean, obvious, this even if you uh, think that somehow darkness, you know, evil is in there and you can't worship in the dark, like, like that's not a sin. That's it's not a sin issue. Um, exp, you know, jump, walk into the even if you, if your preferences aren't matched, just walk into the life of a church and worship with that community of believers, um, and then you know that that's probably not the church for you. Yeah, and you know, if you're a regular part of Calvary Church, it becomes part of our routine to know that when we worship, the lights are going to come down, as, as you said, Ed, it, it sets the tone, it minimizes distraction. Uh, in, in essence, it kind of just feels like this is we're saying this is our time to pray, this is our time to seek the Lord, we're not worried about what other people around us are doing. It actually helps because this way I don't have to feel that people are looking at me worshiping. Yeah. And then we know as soon as, as the worship is done and the teaching of the Word is going to happen, the lights come on, Bibles are open. So it's just part of our routine uh, in our worship, and and anybody that's a part of our church I think, understands that. And I remember one time, one, most of the time we get the choice to do it, but I remember a time, the, uh, I think it was a Wednesday night, the power went out and we lost everything. We lost, we lost the lights, but somehow not the mics or something like that. And we just continued on right through it. I think I was in the middle of a Bible study and we kept, and somehow the lights came back on. Um, that, was, that was in this building. And, and I, I would say the summary for us is it doesn't matter. Uh, it really doesn't matter. You want to worship with the lights on in the room? Great. Don't want to worship with the lights on? Great. Uh, it it doesn't matter. And by the way, the other examples that we had in darkness where God was moving was Saul was in the cave in the dark, uh, and he made a very righteous decision of not killing uh, uh, David, not killing Saul. And then also Jonah in the mi- in the darkness, in the midst of the belly of the fish, uh, he prays and cries out to God in probably what was virtual darkness. Um, and so, um, anyway, I thought it was a great question. I, I tagged it yesterday, even though I wasn't doing the, um, even though I wasn't doing the uh, show yesterday, I thought, ah, and I didn't hear if Jeff answered it, but I know if Jeff did, he, he did a great job. Anyway, thanks for um, texting that in. I know I texted you today. You didn't want to be on the air, but I hope you were listening. Let's head out to Alabama right away. Sydney in Alabama, welcome to the program. Yeah, I just need prayer for my family and me and my family. And uh, I just, it, this is a question, but it's kind of funny. I got a pet, and he he was like he was dying, but I could felt when he cried out, I felt, I felt it. I don't know what that means. Okay. How could you you could feel you could feel a pet? Yeah, you know, I think I I used to not. We've had a couple of uh, dogs in our family, and I love I loved them. I I enjoyed them, um, but I, I never I never I learned in Colorado that a lot of people treat their pets like family. Uh, we never really treated our dog like family, like calling it our daughter or our pet baby or whatever. Although we really enjoyed her, she was a lot of fun, uh, and I figured I never got to that level. I don't think I ever will get to that level. Uh, but when our pet died, when Molly died, it was crushing. Like I, I was shocked. I mean, we were. That was the first, really, and in, in, in our family, uh, that was that was the first uh, experience of real grief that our whole family experienced together. I was just, it was unbelievable. We were all weeping like babies. It was amazing. So to feel um, pain and empathy and real grief over the loss of a pet is real, um, no matter what level. Um, some I know take it more seriously, some less. 
Um, but God created animals. Um, they are, um, and many of them have been given uh, as a gift to us to enjoy and to share. And so, God, I just pray for Sydney and the his family with the little dog uh, that passed away and the sympathy, you know, the pain that they all feel together, the real grief, uh, the, the real love uh, that was uh, given and shared with this pet. And so I just pray for comfort and strength and encouragement um, that you would um, bring about a healing um, in their family until you uh, give them another pet. In Jesus' name, amen. Wide open lines today, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Wide open lines today. I've been away for a couple weeks, and uh, it's good to be back. And it's just one of those things where traveling starts up again, and the Lord has uh, open doors and opportunities in different places, different uh Open doors. Uh, we had a phenomenal um, weekend of ministry this this uh, last weekend here at Calvary, and just I've heard it uh, quite quite a bit. Of actually, it was you know not started, but there was a theme of last Wednesday. We had the privilege of of a um, hosting the Jesus Revolution uh, movie, and we had it here at the church. We had a ministry exclusive um, where. You know, the, the Jesus Revolution movie um, chronicles a slice of the Jesus People movement starting at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, um, highlighting um, the story of, uh, of Greg Laurie and his wife Kathy and Lonnie Frisbee. Uh, and I heard it was amazing, even though it snowed here, unfortunately. Of all the days to snow, it's snowing on Wednesdays, um, which are service days, too. And, and then it just kind of like has been on our minds. And by the way, the Jesus Revolution movie uh, premieres today, and uh, what a blessing that is um, to participate in that and and be able to make a choice to to watch it. Uh, and I would encourage everyone uh, when they have a choice to watch it that they exercise it toward uh, watching it, taking a friend to it, uh, and enjoying it. Um, the I, I think the the Holy Spirit is using it. Pastor Greg Laurie was talking about how uh, movies uh, may indeed be a new powerful tool of evangelism. You know, as you invite people to church, that's one thing, but they may be more open to see a movie before they come to a church. And then you have that, like so many times we get frustrated. It's like, um, why won't somebody come to church? Why won't somebody come to church? And that's true, but if you're in their life, God has already brought the church to them, and you have opportunity to be in their life. As a matter of fact, there's also that level, Josh, where people, um, they say, well, Ed, if you just talk to my friend, if you just talk to my friend, it, um, it, it would make all the difference in the world. And it may or may not. I mean, God may use me or he may not use me, um, but you're already in their life, so you have a way more influence in their life, way more trust in their life. Uh, as soon as they find out I'm a pastor and you kind of set it up to talk to a pastor, all kinds of defenses come up, all kinds of, hey, do how many angels fit on a pen? To talk? Like it, it, it just changes, but God has you in their life. And I would just say, don't minimize the way that God will use you to using all kinds of tools, buying them a book, taking them to a movie, maybe bringing them to church or one of the church events. Um, you know, I think that God or a crusade that comes to town, 
uh, praying about seeing about, I mean, the Harvest Crusades coming to Colorado would be an amazing thing, uh, yeah. open doors, but it is uh, very encouraging. And then this weekend, uh, quite a few of my friends too, just kind of uh, being open, like this, just this readiness and openness for God to do something new and fresh. He will. I mean, it's like, maybe he's just like, well, I've been waiting for you to be open. I've been waiting for you to be obedient. I've been waiting for you to surrender. So 303-690-3000. Let's go back to the phone lines. They're full now. Renata, or is it Renata? It's Renata. Renata, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I had a question. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who also is a believer, and I had shared with her that uh, sometimes my mom comes to me that's passed on. And she was saying that I need to rebuke that, that that if you're dreaming of the dead, that's of the devil. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to get your insight on that. I usually, she usually comes to me like if I'm depressed or something like that. And it's always back at our, uh, our family home. Yes. But it's nothing bad. She just, you know, she's just in a dream. So that yeah, let's talk. Let's make sure we define our terms so that we know what we're talking about. Because I think when you say my mom comes back to me, that would immediately trigger thoughts of someone coming back from the dead, and I could see okay. why your friend would jump to conclusions because I don't think that's what you're describing at all. I think what you're describing no. at all is when you're in a downtime and you're resting and you're tired and you're anxious and and you finally fall asleep part of your subconscious, yeah. your dream, you know, the dreams usually are a part of your subconscious, the last thoughts you have of the evening. Um, you are blessed with memories, dreams in memories of your mom in some way that might bring comfort, might bring encouragement. Um, I would say that if your mom truly was visiting or, or I, let me back up. Your mom cannot visit you from the dead. Okay. That's not possible. She can't come okay. back in her spirit form, in her soul form. So let's start there biblically. That cannot happen. So if an entity comes back and says that they are your mom, they're an imposter, and they would be a demonic imposter. So I think that's what your friend immediately concluded without explaining okay. it all to you. Okay. Is that in the Bible somewhere? Where I could at least reference that. Yes, uh, it would. I would go to Luke, uh, and I want to say Luke. Um, let me find it for you. Unless you have it, Josh, do you have it? Not the Luke passage. No. Okay, Luke sixteen. The we have a, a brief insight into the life after death, and this is the true story of the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. And it starts in verse 19. And okay. the, the rich man uh, was died and, bur and buried. He was in torments and he begged uh, Father Abraham to have mercy on him. Uh, and he wanted him to go back and tell his brothers. And in verse 27, and Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets, uh, let them hear them. Uh, if one goes to them from the, he's begging him, go back. And he says, um, if they 
don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rise from the dead. Like the reality is, is that once you're there, you can't pass from here. Actually, it's what he says. Those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and you cannot go from here to there. That's in verse 26. So that place where your mom is, it's fixed. Okay. If she was a believer, it was your mom a believer. Yes. She went yes. absent from the body and present from the Lord. Um, yes. And now that that relationship is one of hope to be reunited with her, not for her to come back. However, um, how many years did you enjoy with your mom? How long was she um, here before she passed? How long were you with her before she passed? <clears throat> um. Well, she was 64. And that would have made you? I was 30. So you have 30 years of memories with her that will never be erased. They're inside of you. They're in your mind. You have her advice. You have her look. You have her smell. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many things about your mom that will always be with you. And it's not surprising that when you're in a deep sense of, of anxiety or, and you just finally fall asleep, that some of these memories would come back to bring you great comfort right. in dream state. And so I, I really believe that's what you're experiencing. And I don't think you need to rebuke that at all. Um, I don't think you need to rebuke that. Uh, another thing that happens that often gets rebuked, Josh and Renata, is when uh, you visit the gravesite of a departed loved one, and you talk mm-hmm. to them. And a lot of times Christians say, you can't do that. Well, you can if you acknowledge that you're really not talking to them there, but they are fully alive in heaven. Um, right. And so the, the graveside, the bones that once animated their bodies are there. But to have that conversation with them, knowing that they're fully alive and mm-hmm. that you can emote and you can express and you can say how much you miss them. You're not, if you think that you're having a conversation with the dead, then no, uh, that's not biblical. But the idea to express yourself, to express your love, to know as a believer, they're alive in the presence of the Lord. Um, that's okay too. Okay. Well, that made a lot of sense, but the way she made it sound, it was like, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of it this way. Your friend may have heard you in your language. Because look how long we took to explain this, right? That probably didn't happen with you guys. <laughs> you probably just shared a really neat experience. And, oh, you got to rebuke that. Um, you know, if someone, con- if if an angel, even an angel of light, somebody comes to your bed aside at the middle of the night, and you're wide awake, like we're not talking about dream state or anything. You're wide awake. You see something at the edge of your bed and say, oh, I've come with a message from your mom. That's not from the Lord. That's an imposter. Okay. That that's your mom is enjoying the presence of the Lord. Um, she would love to come back, I'm sure, but I bet you she would not want to come back because she's in the presence of the Lord, um, and she would rather have you join her than for her to come back and mm-hmm. live in a sin-soaked world again, um, because of she's experienced glory. And mm-hmm. we all want that. But I, I think what you're experiencing, the way you describe it, is very normal. These are memories. These are thoughts. Um, dreams are, you, you can't control your dreams. Like, right. Um, 
and so you're you're you've got an active mind while you're asleep and the lord has allowed you to have some comforting memories okay josh well thank you anything i think uh that was great you know this is a obviously this is very emotional because we miss the people that have gone on before us and so um, we we hold on to these dreams or these um, memories that we have of them um, but i agree ed there was a there was a verse i was thinking of uh, from deuteronomy 18:11 it talks about consulting with the dead um, that could be praying to the dead or, or, or any kind of conversation that people feel that they're having. Um, but, it, but it tells us in Deuteronomy 18.11 that's detestable to the Lord. So we know that's clearly something God does not desire for us to do. Although, as you, as you mentioned, Ed, the memories and, and the dreams and those things are wonderful uh, to be able to consider those that we love. Hey, you hear the music. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Stick with us. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. Grateful that you've chosen to join us. Had a really good uh, first half of the program, so thanks for joining us. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. In Aurora, I'm in studio with Pastor Josh Sorensen. Welcome again, Josh. Great to be here, Ed. Thank you. Josh has been in uh, a few weeks with me as we've been able to make it happen because he's going to be taking on some responsibilities with hosting as well. I think you're going to really enjoy his point of view and how he sees things and how he uses the Bible, You know how he's able to deliver. That's the neat thing, too, I think, about this program is we have different pastors hosting different personalities, different approaches, same Word of God, same truth, but the delivery uh, can be very different and how it's delivered. So I think you guys will really enjoy Josh as he, Pastor Josh, as he um, more and more grows into this. He's still got some things just kind of working, working everything and and reading this and grabbing this and looking this up, but he's going to get it. We all had to start somewhere. Uh, it's it's. I remember again the first time I did live radio. I walked out going, "I will never do that again." Uh, but little did God know that that first uh, opportunity that was given to me to do what you're doing, sitting in with somebody uh, that had done it his whole life, um, I walking out going, "I can't believe this guy does this every day." That later on in life, uh, that's how God would use me. So uh, look forward to Josh uh, coming in, filling in different days, filling in on Fridays uh, soon. So. Uh, the number to dial, we have an open line, is 303-690-3000. Uh, it's 303-690-3000. goes out. Grace FM, Radio by Grace. You guys are on live. Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. You're getting this one week delayed. We want you to join us on the program. You are really the program, and we together are the program. And let's go right back. Um, we're going to come back to Aurora now. Uh, Todd is on the line. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Um, I just wanted um, your some guidance from you. We had a church service on Psalm 91, and it it really made an impression on me. But um, can you clarify it a little bit for me? Um, you know, I'm driving home, and I was thinking sure. about it. But then when I get home, I'm gonna I'm gonna review it a little bit. But it, it Psalm 91 was 
uh, really important. And it was a strong message, and I was just wondering that if was you yours, can just Josh? give a short version of it. All right, I'm not going to answer it at all, because Josh just you're talking about Josh's, uh, Pastor Josh's teaching. Yes, yes. Handing it over. <laughs> well, Todd, what, uh, what specifically is your question? Well, you know, you gave four things for us to write down, and I, I wrote those down. I'll review when I get home, but my granddaughter was with me, and we sat down and we talked about it a little bit, and we talked about, you know, the faith and God's protection over fear. Yeah. And, you know, it was... You know, we just had a short conversation about it, and um, I was just wondering. I, I wanted to say thank you for that that service, and it was just really, it was really good. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, you know that 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 psalm, as it was written, was written during a a physical battle. Again, we don't know who specifically wrote the psalm. We assume David, but commentators don't really know, but but he was clearly in the middle of a physical battle. He talks about death, he talks about destruction, he talks about arrows flying by him. And so on, on Sunday, two weeks ago, we talked about um, how, how that psalm can minister to us in our bouts of fear or anxiety. That's been a, a battle of mine, anxiety, for the majority of my life. And so this psalm has brought a lot of comfort. And, and so I love being able to know that, um, we, you know, we have a place to hide talks about running in the into the refuge uh, in the shadow of his wings. We have an answer to reply. The psalmist there says, I will trust in the Lord. Um, we've got a promise to rely. Uh, he, it, the promise there is that no matter what we're up against, God will deliver you. Um, and then we've got protection at our side. That's the, the verse that says, if a thousand fall or 10,000 fall at my side, uh, the Lord will still be my strength. And so what a wonderful place to go. When fear comes knocking at the at, at the door of our lives, or those that struggle with anxiety or panic attacks, or you know, just to be able to know that we've got um, a very real present help in our time of need, that God uh, it draws near to us in those moments. And I think that that Psalm Psalm ninety one is such a great Psalm in the midst of those emotional battles. Psalm ninety one, particularly the first nine verses, really minister to me. And you, and you know what I was telling my granddaughter, you know, there's hope. There, it, it expressed a lot of hope, and, you know, you can trust in him. And that's what I was trying to make a point to my granddaughter, you know, that there's, you know, there's hope. You know, for these young teenagers and, you know, college people, you know, I saw, you know, the word hope and, you know, trust and in love and guidance in that in that um, Psalm 91, and it was just really good. And I just want to thank you again for that, and thank you for uh, talking to me about it. And I'm looking forward if we can go a little bit further um, into Psalm 91, which is um, very helpful um, right now with you know with other individuals. Well, thanks, Todd. You know, I think that one of the areas too that I when I see Psalm 91 is, is I will be with him in trouble. Right. So the being with comes before delivering in that verse. I will be with him. I will deliver. I will honor. I will satisfy. I will show. Like I always like to look at the verbs 
uh, when when you're looking for a different angle on different verses, I like to look at verbs or remember uh, the Psalms were written in parallelism uh, so that there's comparisons. He's making a point, then he's making a bigger point, then he's making a bigger point. And I think that when we when we talk about the truth of God's deliverance uh, or you know faith over fear, uh, the reality is is that in order for there to be faith over fear, there's going to be fear, and we we want to acknowledge that we there's going to as we um, somebody had texted me um, recently from the message that we ta- I taught this week really went well with what Josh taught. I listened to half of what Josh's message already, um, and I can see a little bit of that now. Where um, just because God is good doesn't mean He's going to keep us out of trouble. And right. he's going to give him this. We often think of deliverance as being removed from a situation, and that true can be deliverance, but sometimes that we're not just delivered from, most of the time we're delivered through. And so like, you know, Josh is talking about, there's been an ongoing battle in his life of anxiety. There's been victories along the way, um, but he might wake up the more morning and like, here it is again. But then there's the Lord, like it's, so is the Lord there in the, again. Yeah, and, and protection, it talks about in the psalm, is not the same as exemption. So uh, it says that, you know, we're protected in, um, as, as Pastor Ed just read, we're not necessarily protected from. Uh, so it talks about the terror by night. We're not exempt from that, uh, but we can have protection in it and protection against it. So verse 15 of Psalm 91, I will be with him in trouble. doesn't say he's going to keep him out of trouble, but he will be the protection at our side in the midst of trouble. And that's what brings great hope, particularly when we're facing those, as the psalmist says there, those terrors by night. Yep. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, and you got uh, faith, or fear is a liar. And that really stuck with me, fear is a liar. Well, it depends on what fear it is. Uh, it could be irrational fear. That's a liar. Um, but not all fear is a liar. Okay. Fear of the Lord okay. is not a lie. Fear, like if somebody is chasing you and you're fearful for your life, that's not a liar. Like fear, it, it really depends on what fear is. Like if we fear to the point where we don't believe God's with us. If we fear to the point, like it's irrational fear. It's not. It's not a fear that God placed in us, but we're admonished to fear the Lord, to respect and honor Him. Um, so we we just have to make sure that contextually we're dealing with the right emotion, um, because not all fear is bad. I mean, some fear okay. saves lives. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that. Okay, brother. And thank you for your time today. God Bye-bye. Bless. 303-690-3000 is the number... 303-690-3000. We're going to head back to uh, Alabama now, and Rose is on the line with us. Rose, welcome to the program. Are you still with us, Rose? We lost Rose, and we have all open lines now. Uh, but she asked the question uh, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violence take it by force. Um, what is what does that mean? Um, you know, I think the different views on that passage uh, exist, um, but the reality is is there is a um, there is 
a violent response surrounding the presence of God. Uh, and the whatever it means, we know that there is a point in time where John the Baptist is announcing the coming of Messiah. I think Jesus is re, re, um, reflecting upon that. So there was a moment of change uh, that took place with the coming of Messiah. Um, but that, the idea is the violent taking it by fourth um, is, you know, the, 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 the excitement of entering into the kingdom of God. <laughs> like it's, there's an excitement that goes on on uh, that, hey, we're going to, we, we want what the Messiah has and we enter in as if it was violent, um, as if it was uh, demonstrative, not necessarily like a riot. What, what do you have to say? What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I was I was thinking of what a pastor said, particularly with that that part of that verse: "The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent take it by force." As you mentioned, Ed, the exact sense of that has been debated, but we do know uh, that Jesus's reference to violence refers to both the intensity of spiritual warfare surrounding the ministry of Jesus, certainly. Um, but also the intensity required to persevere in following God and in His kingdom. It's it, it you know it's a it's a very sort of a, as Jesus often did a, a very hard saying. Um, but I think He's trying to paint a picture of what it's like to be part of the new covenant, part of the kingdom of God. Something that um, that is it's not easy, and the kingdom of of God, kingdom of heaven, will never be received passively. Mm. Uh, it's going to require, uh, uh, as Jesus uses there, the picture is violence. Yeah, when I taught Matthew um, verse by verse back in 2002, this is how I handled that, um, and in its simplicity, I kind of like I kind of like simplicity. Uh, here, uh, I, I gave two options. The kingdom was attacked by fierce people, like throwing people in jail. That was one view. Uh, or number two, the kingdom of God is taken by those that are violently, enthusiastically seeking him first. Uh, and then I would add, I think uh, what Pastor Josh just uh, mentioned is a good addition, but I chose number two. Um, and the the sense of enthusiastically hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I think, you know, in a culture that kind of minimizes um, somehow sola scriptura, as it was adopted by the reformers, somehow along the way got interpreted as we don't have an emotion anymore. We're just very didactic, very learning. We're just very information-centric. Uh, but that's not the Middle Eastern culture at all. The Middle Eastern culture is pretty emotional. I mean, even when you're, if you don't, it's sometimes we haven't always on every trip to Israel uh, experienced this, but there has been on occasion where we've seen this violent argumentation over a at a at a kiosk, you know, in the marketplace where somebody's trying to buy a scarf and then the person like they're 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 like you you want if you were in the US you'd probably go try to break them up, but they're actually it's part of the cultural exchange of bartering. Um, and they're actually not mad at each other at all. They're communicating, and then they strike a hand, and then they sh they share their shekels, and they laugh, ha ha ha, you know. Like there there is an emotion. There's an emoting in middle Middle Eastern culture that we just aren't. And in the Western Church today, it's kind of like going back to the first question, right? Why would you turn off the lights? And why would you worship's not emotional? Why are you trying to hype people up? What do you mean? What, what does that mean exactly? Like, we're all emotional beings. Um, you know, we cry, we laugh, we get excited. It's okay at a football game to flip out. 
and scream and yell. Very, very sorry. You were probably crying deeply at the Super Bowl. I'm very sorry, Josh, for bringing it up. I it was, see. It was Don't a hit difficult me. day. Don't hit me. <laughs> difficult week. I mean, the Phillies stink. The Eagles stink. The Flyers stink. Who else from Philly? Well, they did make the Phillies did make it to the World Series. The Eagles uh, did make it to the Super Bowl, and and the other teams cheated. (laughs) But I mean, you can get him. You can get all emotional (laughs) at football games and baseball games. You get my point. Like I think biblically, uh, there's been a suppression of emotion um, that maybe even skews our way we read the scriptures because it's foreign, violent. What do you mean violent? Violent. That word. As a matter of fact, let me just. Double-click the word here really quick, and let me see if we can ascertain. We never even did look up the word. Um, So let me see here. Uh, Where was it? From the days of John the Baptist, suffers violence. The word is in the Strong's. It won't let me click it. See, you know, what? what? I've been away, and they change your your program (laughs) while you're gone. So let me just double-click it again. I'm sorry. Uh, let me look it up. Uh, it is the word biato, and it means to overpower, impel, to rush into, uh, sought with eagerness or haste is another way, eagerness and haste. So that's where we would get the second view or the second option uh, in this particular word. It does speak of a person that is violent. Um, there is a, um, a synonym Hormao, it means to rush. The antonym would be braduno. And this would be, again, these are Greek words, means to delay or put off. So there's a put, there's a boom, there's an eagerness, not just simply an emotion. So, you know, just looking at, it also speaks of an agitated state of mind. Um, also, it's, it's tied together. Uh, there's an eagle, eagerness, uh, which the gospel was seized by harpazo. Harpazo is an interesting word mm-hmm. um, that is used to describe the rapture of the church, to be suddenly and violently taken out mm. quickly. And sometimes the way that the movies have um, portrayed the rapture, it appears that it's nice and everybody's clothes are folded on the on the bed, they're taken up and everything goes on with life. The rapture is going to be a very cataclysmic event. Uh, it's not merely the church being removed, but if you think of Christians driving cars or flying planes or or having some critical place of of whatever they're doing in the moment is going to leave a vo- immediate void uh, in there, and they're going to be violently and quickly and immediately taken up harpazo. So that's just you learn that just from looking it up in the Greek. Um, it's Strong's nine seventy one. I heard a pastor, just to go along with what you're saying, say it this way, the kingdom is making great strides. Now is the time for courageous souls, forceful people to take hold of it. Mm, so this good. idea that it, it it produces a response. Very good. 303-690-3000. In case you just tuned in, my name is Ed Taylor. I'm in uh, with Pastor Josh Sorensen. He has been sharing the uh, the studio with me uh, as much as we can over the last couple months so that uh, he gets used to the flow of the show and uh, and uh, he already has the wisdom and, and the relationship with the Lord. He's going to do great. Um, but learning how to run the show, that's what he's been doing. So he's been clicking and looking and working through, but eventually he's going to be launching off on his own. So get to know him, pray for him, uh, and um, knowing that the Lord's going to use him on this program wherever you might be. Uh, let's go back to Georgia, May, uh, 
Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yes. My question, um, I wanted to know if, if, if a person dies and have not accepted Christ as their Savior and they're in hell, are they conscious of their life on earth prior to and the time that they could have accepted and didn't? But, and based on Matthew, or Matthew, uh, where rich, the rich man and Lazarus yeah. incident, what that? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I believe that they will have the same type of consciousness of their life uh, that they had before they died. Yes. Now, whether, whether they can, um, whether they can remember every single detail, I can't right now in my mind say that definitively for an unbeliever for a believer absolutely because the bible says that when a believer is translated into the presence of the lord they are going to know even as they are known so they're going to have a fullness of understanding as jesus has it but i don't believe that's the benefit of the unbeliever however is it possible yes and that could be a place that could be a source of torment, uh, that can be a source of their of their taking responsibility for their own rejection of Christ. But you can see from the insight that we get that there is knowledge of uh, previous knowledge, right? There isn't future knowledge, like, like so. They're not interacting with us uh, from torments or from Hades, uh, from the from Gehenna. Uh, but they do die with knowledge that they carry with them into eternity. Yes, for sure we know that. Besides Matthew concerning Lazarus and the rich man. Is there, are there any other passages? I mean, that is the greatest uh, passage that I can think of um, because we get insight and we get to hear and see what they think after death. Uh, for a believer... Uh, I mean, we know that uh, Paul uh, died and was taken up into paradise and returned and remembered what he, again, another example for a believer, he remembered, but he said there were things so beautiful he couldn't utter them. Uh, so he had knowledge after death that he actually brought back. Um, you know, Lazarus was another example of someone that came back to life, but we don't have any indication. He doesn't ever share anything about um, what happened after death. You know, in Matthew eight twelve, it talks there about uh, that place, speaking of hell, being a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there, there is a weeping that takes place. And I don't know exactly, we could surmise what that weeping means. Um, could it mean regret? Could it mean the understanding that we've rejected Christ and we have no further opportunity now to, to, to accept him as our Savior? Um, you know, hell is, is compared to burning. It's, it's compared to darkness. It has, again, this association with intense grief and horror. Um, so we certainly know some things of hell. We don't know all of the details. We do know, of course, that it's, uh, it's a place the Bible says was originally intended for the demons, not for people. Um, so, uh, but whether we will be uh, fully aware and, and conscious as we are now, um, is a good question. But of course, there, there is this element of weeping, so I believe there will be grief. Um, and unfortunately, that will, 
will last forever. There'll be no reprieve, no break, no um, no one to come and comfort uh, at that at, at that point in eternity, unfortunately. Which is all the more reason why we want to plunder hell and populate heaven as, as, as we draw breath on this side of eternity. Does that help? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hello? Yes? I, uh, what scripture did you use for the weeping and, and gnashing of teeth? Yes. So that's found a couple places, but the one I'm looking at here is Matthew chapter 8, verses, uh, verse 12 in particular. 8, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your um, help. And that helped a lot. Thank you so much. Okay, sister. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I just wanted to make a clarification um, about the movie Jesus Revolution. It opened, it premieres Friday. So all the way up into this, these are all pre-screenings that are free, actually. So we, or they bought out, churches have bought out tickets. Um, I saw a post today, Albuquerque bought tickets. Calvary Albuquerque bought out nine nine theaters. Um, to And then you, you, because they bought them, you can get tickets from them. But they, obviously, they filled out. And I heard it's opening in 2,700 theaters, which is That's awesome. a significant thing. Um, but the more people that go see it, the more um, it gets traction it makes. It could potentially open up in more yeah. theaters and um, be wonderful to see. It's an amazing movie. Powerful. I'm finally going to get to see it tomorrow. So we have tickets for tomorrow night. We got some pre-screening tickets uh, that I wasn't here for last week to experience it with our church family. But uh, in many ways, I lived it. Not back then, but in my own context of walking into a Calvary Chapel in Downey, California, at the height, I think I walked into to Downey at the height of its apex. Uh, they just finished the sanctuary, 3,000 people, standing room only. That's what I ended up walking into, which none of that really made any, none of that mattered to me at all. I was so messed up. I was so lost that none of the things that kind of what we talk about as Christians I could care less. I didn't care if the lights were on, what color the carpet was, uh, what the pastor was wearing, or how big the pulpit was. Like All the things that now have become Christian arguments, I didn't care. I, I was, my wife was about ready to leave me. I was facing jail time for crimes I had committed, and I was guilty of. Uh, I was... About ready to lose it all, knee high in debt from all my addicted to alcohol more than anything. Um, not so much drugs, although I was, it, 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 that was a big part of my life. But you know, even, even my God is so gracious. God is so gracious because I'm such a cheapskate that I didn't want to spend all the money on drugs. Like, like, like God took, God, he, he withheld me to a point. Like, I'm sure I would have blasted through it, right? I'm sure. But he held me to a point and was gracious and merciful where my wife uh, didn't leave, but was right there. And I was right on the edge of everything. And God was very gracious. Um, and that's the history of our little family of churches, Calvary Chapel. But God's bigger than that. He's working in all kinds of churches and all kinds of movements and all kinds of places and all kinds of flavors. But I just think that Maybe that's my final word today before we go to service uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to be here tonight, uh, even as it snowed a little bit today. We're still going to be here because we're already here, <laughs> and we're going to be studying how to be led, how, to, how am I led by the Lord? We're going to look at practical elements, how to know the will of God. Uh, but 
in Genesis. Uh, but um, where was I going, Josh? You were talking about the movie. <laughs> the movie, yes. And then we're and closing then, tonight with the service coming up in, in going, an uh, hour. Yeah, so uh, I would encourage you, um, take advantage. If you have the choice uh, to see the movie, make the choice to see the movie. I think you'll be blessed. Um, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to use it, especially with these free uh, opportunities, take advantage of them. Um, step in so that the the opportunities are are wide ranging for it to be a tool um, in the hands of your um, your evangelism toolbox and and so some of you might be going why aren't you making a stronger uh, uh, statement about them well we're on non commercial stations. Uh, so non-commercial statement stations have limitations on how we communicate things for profit companies. And so we will not promote a for-profit company. Uh, but we, we can tell you about the movie. We can tell you to make your own choices. Um, and you get it. But we want to honor the kind of license that we have as a as a non-commercial station. So that's why you're like, well, Ed, are you really hesitant? I am totally not hesitant. Um, but I do want to honor our license and be able to do the right thing, but also say, hey, there's a movie out there. It's called Jesus Revolution. And, you know, we all get to make choices on what to do with our time and where to go. And this would be, if you're making choices, this would be a great choice to make. Um, and use it as an event. You can also use it as an evangelism tool uh, for the sake of the gospel. And this I can tell you. Come to church tonight physically or online, calvaryco.church calvaryco.church has all the info. Thanks again for being with us, Josh. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.